I'm Dylan Curtis, and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the I'm Wondering Podcast. Uh, Thank you for allowing me to be away for a week. Um, Had a wonderful trip, which I'll talk about here in a second. Um, But hey, you know what's cool is that listeners are going up. Uh, There's been quite a spike recently, which is great. I'm very thankful for that thankful for all of you who listen. Um, it's an honor and a joy for me to do this podcast, cover all sorts of topics that we don't usually get to cover in the church. Um, so I think it's a great, great way, great avenue to sort of talk about these things in a way that we don't get to normally. So I am very appreciative for those who listen, for those of you who share it with others. Um, It is certainly something I love to do. And uh, for those of you who are wondering if I'll continue to do it, yes, I'm going to continue to do the podcast. Um, So, and I want to just reiterate, you know, if there is something you are wondering uh, that hasn't been covered, uh, I know I've covered a lot But if anything comes to mind, even if it's an idea, even if it's not a question question, if it's like a rambling of thoughts that you're having, I can usually kind of read those and sift through and see if there's a question in there. So please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out to me and share that. You can do that at the I'm Wondering Podcast at gmail.com or message me on Facebook, whatever. Um, I want to answer the questions you have um, and not just the questions I think you have. Uh, or the questions that I want to talk about, I would love to talk about the questions you have, um, which is part of the main main aspects of the podcast or the things that the thing that I would love for it to be. So, of course, if you have a question, thoughts, whatever, just feel free to share that with me. Send that over, and I will go through it. Um, so, I wanted to just update everyone. Uh, I know there's a variety of listeners from a variety of places. Um, but as many of you know, Hannah and I were in Whitefish, Montana last week, uh, which is why I didn't do a podcast episode. We have been going through a very lengthy process with Christ Lutheran Church up there for a potential call to be their next senior pastor. Um, we had a wonderful week with them. We met with tons of people in the church, went to a bunch of groups, had a lot of Q&A time with them, um, and we just we just loved it. We loved the church we loved most, the people, um, we love the area, so it was a great week for us. Um, and it reminds me a lot of Faith Community, um, where I'm still at at the moment. A um, lot of great people, and that's what makes the church, I think, special, is the people that are there who love God, who you can do life with, you can learn together. Um, those things are really the highlight, I think, of the church. Um, and I am happy uh, and a little sad <laughs> to say that um, they did vote uh, to call me as their next senior pastor up there at Christ Lutheran Church in Whitefish, and I joyfully accepted. Um, so we will be making a move, um, which will be difficult in a lot of ways um, because we've loved Faith Community, and I will do a podcast next week just kind of uh, thanking Faith Community and just sharing some of my experiences here and things that I think um, lessons that the church, uh, I think, would benefit to learn from, to know like those positive, encouraging things, 
how we as a body help build each other up. So I want to share some of that next week um, on a podcast, and just hopefully that's an encouragement to faith community, uh, an encouragement to anyone listening who is at another church. Um, but it's a beautiful thing to celebrate, even though it's going to be difficult to leave. Um, so again, in this transition from podcast listeners, I've gotten a lot of, you know, people asking, are you, are you still going to do the podcast? Is that going to change? Uh, yes. Again, yes, I'm going to do the podcast. Um, I, I'm so happy that people enjoy it, that people engage with it. And it's something that is a huge, huge joy to me. One of my favorite things that I get to do in ministry is this podcast. Um, so I'm really excited that that will continue. Um, it's certainly a highlight of my week, uh, even if it's a struggle sometimes to figure out what to talk about, it is still a highlight. So it will continue. Um, so please keep listening uh, and share it with people if you feel like this is helpful to them. Um, I certainly believe this podcast can help address questions people are asking inside and outside the church. So um, share away if you think someone needs to hear uh, one of these episodes. And look on the bright side. It's a very non-threatening thing to do. It's not in anyone's face. They can choose to listen or not listen. So I think it is a wonderful avenue that has come up in the last, I think, 14 years. Podcast launched back in 2008, I think. Um, So it's a great way to share these sort of things with people. So encourage you to do that. Um, And again, thank you for listening. And I will stop prattling on and get into the topic today. So this kind of comes from not a direct I'm wondering question someone shared, but a question that came up during our visit up to CLC. Um, And it was essentially about spiritual gifts. What it was more or less what I thought about spiritual gifts. So the I'm wondering version of that is, do spiritual gifts still exist? Um, And before we get into the thick of that, um, I want to cover a few important things to sort of lay the groundwork for this conversation. Uh, First, when I say spiritual gifts, uh, I'm referencing what many would know as charismatic gifts. Um, And I'm taking those from Paul in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, He mentions the following gifts as quote, manifestations of the Spirit, um, and that manifestation is for the common good. Um, These include, in Paul's list, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Uh, When we talk about these charismatic gifts, we usually only focus on tongues, prophecies, healings, and miracles. Um, Yet, that is not Paul's list. He includes, obviously, quite a few more things like wisdom and knowledge and faith. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, the Corinthians also sort of became fixated on tongues and prophecy um, and healings, those sort of things, especially tongues. Um, So it's interesting that the same fixation exists in our world today when we talk about spiritual gifts, that there's a high emphasis particularly on tongues. Um, And, you know, some things never change, do they? Uh, And we'll cover later why this fixation can be damaging to the church. Um, These charismatic gifts are going to be the focus today, Um, so I'm not necessarily talking about what Paul mentions in Romans 12, 3 through 8, um, like encouragement and teaching, those sort of things, though the Spirit is very much involved in that. Uh, And I'm also not talking about the fruit of the Spirit, you know, patience, kindness, uh, self-control, those things, um, from Galatians 5, 22 through 23. So I'm not covering those in particular, even though, again, the Holy Spirit is central to those things. 
Um, so I just wanted to lay out what, what spiritual gifts uh, we're talking about. Um, second, uh, there are typically two views on these charismatic gifts. Um, we have uh, cessationism and continuism. Uh, no, sorry, continuationism. I'll get it right. So cessationism is the belief that spiritual gifts, particularly things like prophecy, tongues, healings, yada, 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 um, uh, cease to exist after the apostolic age, so really after the apostles. Um, And this view originated with Calvin during the Reformation. Uh, Cessationism arose as a backlash to some of the miracle claims of Catholicism and the hard emphasis on spiritual gifts by the Anabaptists, again, another group that came out of the Reformation. Uh, There was a sense from Calvin and eventually from Lutherans that there was a massive imbalance between the word and spirit. Um, So they compensated for that by leaning more towards cessationism. Um, And then the other view, continuationism, is the belief that spiritual gifts, particularly prophecy, tongues, those sort of things, continue to exist. That one's pretty straightforward. Um, Now, there are varying degrees to each of these. Um, There are some who might fall into the hard yes or hard no, um, but typically that's not the case. Um, And I'm sharing that maybe primarily from my own experience and observation, um, that it's not a hard line, although some people take it. Um, There are some who believe that these gifts continue to exist, but approach them with caution or believe they aren't maybe as prominent as the apostolic age or the, you know, really, if you look at Acts in in particular, not as prominent as what we see in Acts. Um, So you could say there is sort of a middle ground between the two in a lot of churches, Um, Lutherans are included in that. Um, There have been charismatic movements in the Lutheran church. Um, And typically, most Lutheran churches, um, I think, kind of take a middle ground on this. Um, But obviously, I don't know all Lutheran churches. (laughs) I don't know all churches, period. Um, So again, some experience here. It's not uh, research-driven or definitive. Um, I fall more into that camp of being um, approaching spiritual gifts with some caution, um, especially resonating with that, um, the, what kind of drove the sensationist, uh, cessationist, it's hard to say that word, what drove Calvin and eventually some Lutherans to believe um, that maybe it's not as prominent as it used to be because of that imbalance between word and spirit. Um, there really is a danger in those getting out of, out of balance, especially when you look at the Trinity, that it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Word, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit um, are one essence. So it's you can't get those out of whack, if you will. Um, but I'll share later how I sort of approach spiritual gifts. Um, I'll share that in just a bit. The third thing before we turn to the Scripture, particularly 1 Corinthians 12, um, is the question, what is the what is baptism of the Holy Spirit? Uh, for those of you who've been around uh, charismatics at all, you've probably heard that. If you are charismatic, you know what I'm saying when I say baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, so the bap- baptism of the Holy Spirit, and this is not very nuanced, so forgive me, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the view that a spiritual baptism uh, of the Spirit occurs outside the water baptism we receive. So it's a sort of second baptism. Now, not all charismatics necessarily believe that, but that's kind of the common understanding in uh, the charismatic movement. 
So, but many charismatics do believe uh, that at this baptism, uh, one receives their manifestation of the Spirit, if we're going to use that language from Paul. Um, And depending on who you speak to, some believe that everyone who receives this baptism speaks in tongues. And these tongues serve as the proof that you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Um, I often don't strongly draw a line uh, on this podcast. I try to give all the information and, and what Scripture says. Um, but I'm going to draw a hard line on this one. Um, there is nowhere in Scripture where it's said that that is the case. Um, and by, by that I mean that if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues, period. There's nowhere in Scripture that supports that claim. Um, and as we'll see in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul clearly states that each person receives different gifts. Um, tongues is one of those gifts. Um, so if someone ever tells you, you haven't been baptized by the Holy Spirit because you don't speak in tongues, that's unbiblical. There's nothing in Scripture to support that claim. Um, and I would push back on that and debate with my charismatic brothers and sisters who make that claim um, because I think it's dangerous. I've seen it damage a lot of people. And again, it's not supported by the word. Um, thus, I don't believe that the spirit would contradict the word because of the Trinity, yada, yada, yada. We could fall deeply into that. But um, I would say that's not biblical. Um, so moving a bit forward on this idea of baptism of the Holy Spirit. The main idea for this comes from, uh, a lot of times, Jesus' words in Acts 1, 4 through 5, when he says to the apostles, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, Those words are likely a callback uh, to what John the Baptist said in Luke 3, 16, uh, which says this, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Um, Now there is some difficulty here. Um, The apostles' experience, I would claim, is chronologically bound, meaning certain events, specifically Pentecost, had yet to occur. So they lived both before and after Pentecost, where all of us alive today, we all live after Pentecost. Um, so we need to take into account that there's some, there's actually some time-bound nature to what the what the apostles experienced. Um, so if we just take our situation and apply it to theirs, that's a bit misguided um, and really lacks the nuance of what's happening. Um, and if you look at other examples in Acts. Uh, This filling of the Holy Spirit, um, a.k.a. baptism, because baptism means filling, um, of the the Spirit does not happen in the same way for everyone. Um, For instance, Acts 10.47 says, Then Peter responded, Can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So their reception of the Holy Spirit occurred um, before their water baptism, Uh, If you look at verse 44 in the same chapter, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. So their baptism of the Spirit appears to happen when they hear the gospel at their moment of conversion. Um, Then in Acts 8, 14 through 17, the Samaritans are baptized and then receive the Holy Spirit. Um, 
Then there is Peter in Acts eleven sixteen through 17, where he says, Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave them the same gift that he also gave to us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, how could I possibly hinder God? Again, this seems to imply that some uh, receive a filling of the Holy Spirit or receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of faith. Um, and we're going to end this with uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, where he says, For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Uh, how could Paul have known all of them were baptized by the Holy Spirit without some sign, without some spiritual gift to prove it? Um, to me, he is emphasizing that if you have received the gospel, you have received the Spirit, uh, which is strengthened by what he says earlier in verse 4. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Um, so with all of this, it leads me to believe that a second baptism of the Holy Spirit, which appears to have happened in some cases, is not necessarily the norm um, in the sense that the argument would be uh, in some of the Pentecostal movements that you, uh, you, you make a decision for Christ, um, and then you are baptized in water, and then after that, at some point, you receive your second baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, to me, Scripture does not co- corroborate that entirely, that there are different experiences um, in different situations, so there is not a norm in that sense. We can't just peg it down and say, it is this way, this is the way it works, um, because Scripture doesn't allow that. Um, Acts gives us a variety of events that demonstrate some receive this baptism or feel- filling of the Holy Spirit at conversion, and some later on. Uh, we can't conclusively say it is one or the other. Uh, In moments like this, I want to encourage a unity mindset. Uh, What we can affirm is that those of us who have received the gospel of Jesus Christ receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, The when is far less important than the promise we have been given, Galatians 3.14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So that is what I encourage all of you to stand on together, whether you're more charismatic or whether you're not, wherever you land, to hear those words of Galatians 3.14, that we are promised the Holy Spirit, um, and we receive that because we receive Jesus. Um, And it's more important to focus on that than it is on the when uh, or even the how, if you will, Um, that we are promised that. That is what the Lord has said to us. So let's stand on that together. All right. Ooh, it's a lot of groundwork, isn't it? All right. Let's now look at 1 Corinthians 12 um, and what that says. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit, that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This section is followed up by unity and diversity within the body uh, in verses 12 through 14, which say, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So, what is he saying? Because there's, uh, there's a lot in there. And Paul really loves his run-on sentences, uh, which was super fun in Greek, by the way, to work through. Um, but there's, there's a lot in there, and it's, this is a difficult topic. I don't want anyone to think that this isn't a difficult topic, um, because it, it is. It certainly is. Um, because throughout the entire Christian faith, there are a collection of traditions from Lutheran to Foursquare Pentecostal, which carry different views on these gifts. Um, so I want to state my views and my approach to this respectfully uh, about the matter. So I'm, I'm doing my best to respectfully address this. Um, spiritual gifts, firstly, must be handled with great humility. Uh, the Corinthians, for instance, were arguing over these spiritual gifts, part of why Paul wrote to them, uh, who had them, who didn't have them, uh, but a lot of it was on which were most important. Um, this bred within the church a spiritual superiority issue, specifically between those who spoke in tongues and those who did not. Uh, again, some things never change. Um, like I had said earlier, because that is still the case, and I've been in churches where I experienced that. Um, so we get a clear sense of, of that from Paul himself. Uh, just two chapters later in 1 Corinthians 14, 18 through 19, when he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words, that means words everyone understands, to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So, Paul is um, saying that essentially what's most important is that everyone understands you, um, not your tongue, even though those tongues can, can be effective. With Pentecost, we saw the apostles speaking in tongues of everybody who was there from all over the world. So it was a witness and testimony and sharing of the gospel through those tongues. Um, but Paul is saying, I would rather speak in a language that everyone understands um, than 10,000 tongues. So he's putting these spiritual gifts, I think, in their, in their proper place um, and encouraging us and showing us that we need to be humble. We need to not value those to such a degree that it makes us feel spiritually superior to others because that is not helpful for the body, which is the intention of spiritual gifts. And it is very damaging, I think, towards our brothers and sisters. So for me, spiritual gifts, humility is number one on how we approach it. Uh, number two, spiritual gifts vary, as we just read uh, in that 1 Corinthians 12 passage. Um, there is a variety of spiritual gifts that contribute to God's kingdom, both within the church and outside of it. 
All right, so that's number two. Number three, spiritual gifts um, should not, we should not be afraid of our spiritual gifts being tested. First uh, John 4, 1, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Uh, this is still very true. Um, there are a lot of people who claim prophecy, um, which is contradicted in scripture. Um, so this is still the case, uh, and we would be um, a bit foolish to just take a prophecy at face value or to take a um, take someone's revelation, claimed revelation of the Spirit, and not test it. Um, and John was very wise in telling us, test it. Uh, and the way I understand John's words, you might even be testing the Holy Spirit. Um, so think about that. Um, but this is a very important thing, that um, spiritual gifts revelations we claim from God, that they're tested uh, in the body itself. Um, So, number four, this is the last one I'll um, kind of share with you. Spiritual gifts must align with the truth of Scripture and what we know to be true about God. Uh, Because the Spirit is God, um, because the Spirit is one of the three persons of the Trinity, um, it's very important that a claimed revelation that we receive from the Spirit does not contradict another revelation, which is scripture. So um, our God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Godhead shares in that one essence, uh, meaning there cannot be contradiction, which is why I'm stressing this um, sort of claim and then revelation uh, in scripture, um, because there would be a contradiction if, if your revelation contradicted scripture. That's a problem. That means you're claiming God is essentially contradicting himself, which he cannot do. So if someone was to prophesy or claim a word from the Holy Spirit, which is contradicted in Scripture, then that prophecy or word is false. Um, I don't know how to cut that any other way than it's false. Um, if someone believes otherwise, again, then their, their claim would be that God is a liar because he's contradicted himself. The Spirit, he's, he's given you something that contradicts the word uh, revealed in Jesus Christ. Uh, that's a contradiction. Contradiction and God cannot contradict himself. So this is why, and if I'm talking a little in circles, I'm sorry, but I really want to emphasize and stress how important it is for us to um, understand Scripture, to be versed in it, especially when we're talking about spiritual gifts. Um, So there's just a strong emphasis here on the need for clear biblical teaching and study, uh, for us to ruminate, sit with the Word, soak it in, um, because it's, it's important, especially when it comes to this. Um, so Luther had a view on this, of course. Uh, Luther was prolific in his biblical knowledge uh, and teaching, and as well his, his theological knowledge. Um, and this is what he put in the small catechism. I believe that by my own understanding or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But instead, the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts. So Luther did believe in spiritual gifts. Um, But from what I have been able to gather, he approached it with a high degree of discernment. Um, Again, probably because of what was going on during that time, like we saw with Calvin and uh, Sessionism. Um, He approached it with a high degree of discernment and had a really strong desire for spirit Uh, and word to be balanced, which I completely agree with. Um, That is very important. 
Um, there's a lot more that could be said about spiritual gifts within the church. Um, I do, I do believe that they exist within the body, but I also believe we ought to be very discerning and handle the matter with humility. And again, because I really want to bring unity to this, uh, we can all celebrate these, uh, words from Paul in Romans eight fourteen through 16. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So again, let's stand on that just like we stand on Galatians. Um, that can bring us together, that we've all received the Spirit, um, and to not, I think, get caught up in spiritual gifts and which ones you have, don't have, to the degree that it causes disunity or friction among the body. Um, that is the very last thing that God desires, and the very last, he would, he, yeah, that's not the intention, um, and Scripture makes that clear. God spoke through people like Paul. Um, he spoke what he wanted us to hear, and unity is a big part of that, and handling spiritual gifts with humility, I think, is also a big part of that. So, that was a lot, and there's a lot more that could be said, um, but if you listened to this and said, I expected a more definitive answer, come on, where's the definitive answer? Uh, I would respond... I am a servant to God's self-revelation in Scripture. I'm a servant to who He is, who He revealed Himself to be. If Scripture does not provide a definitive answer, then neither can I. Uh, That's just how it is. Uh, We have to hold in careful tension the revelation we've received in Scripture with our desire for clear answers. Uh, I'll put it this way. Our doctrine can never overshadow the Word of God. Um, So for us to take a hard line on this, uh, on whatever side you're on, I don't believe is um, honoring to God's own self-revelation in Scripture, to God's words that he spoke through, uh, all of all of the people he chose to spoke through, speak through, spoke through, <laughs> speak through. So we just have to live in that sort of gray-ish area on this because Scripture gives us, uh, I think, a strong case for either side. Um, and so I, again, am of the opinion that spiritual gifts do exist, but I am very careful. Um, I am, do my best to be discerning and in all of that, I submit myself to God to help me do those things. Um, so there's, yeah, there's not a hard, hard line here. Um, and we have to respect that and kind of hold that intention. Uh, so no matter where you land on spiritual gifts, um, I encourage you and all of us to show charity to one another. Um, Spiritual gifts are not meant to be something that divides, uh, but unites and builds up the church, builds up God's kingdom. And ultimately, they point to what is the real salvation matter, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Spiritual gifts are a testimony to God's saving grace, not the foundation of it. Uh, And I pray we don't mix that up, because I've seen it happen, and it breaks my heart when I see that happen. So let's stay focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ and celebrate that God would give us spiritual gifts that are a testimony to his grace towards us, his grace towards any who receive him in faith. That's the piece I really want to leave you with. So the I'm wondering question before we close, I'm wondering 
what is your view on spiritual gifts? I would love to hear it. Um, There's a lot of nuance in people I've encountered when it comes to this. So I would love for you to share your views with me. Again, you can do that at the I'm Wondering Podcast at gmail.com or get a hold of me uh, on Facebook or wherever you know how to get in touch with me. Um, Please reach out and I would love to hear your views. Again, I would love to cover any questions you might have. And of, of all the things, I'm thankful um, that God has allowed me to do this, to do this podcast, and that that you listen and that you engage me and talk to me about this. So I'm glad that that's the case and pray that it continues to be an effective way of talking about our amazing God. So that is it for now. I'm Dylan, and this is the I'm Wondering Podcast. <laughs>